Welcome to Back to Devi. It's 7 a.m. Eastern Time, the only time zone that has the original 13 colonies. On today's episode of Back to Devi, Corey and I are going to debate debate players and which we would rather have on our Devi rosters. But first, Corey, with some news. Yeah, and there really isn't much news here in the middle of the week, but um, we do have Penn State freshman quarterback Drew Aller, who could start for an injured Sean Clifford. Um, He came in relief last week, um, didn't really do much, had a pretty bad game against Michigan, but I'll be interested to see what he could do with a full week of practice. So um, with the lack of uh, of news this week, I did just kind of want to look towards um, one of the big games from this past weekend with uh, Tennessee beating Alabama. You know, and a pretty wild statement game that that scored over 100 points. Um, and it was the first time now in, in 40 consecutive voting polls that that game actually ended up dropping Alabama outside the top five rankings. They went from number one last week all the way to number six. Tennessee, on the other hand, now has jumped to number three. And with that, Hendon Hooker, quarterback Hendon Hooker for Tennessee, has jumped uh, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young and USC quarterback Caleb uh, Williams in Heisman odds. Um, which is which is pretty crazy. I know a lot of people are uh, a, a, a lot higher on those guys than they are on Hendon Hooker, but I think he, he really made a big statement this past week. And now the top six of odds on that list, on the Heisman list, uh, at, at number one, you've got C.J. Stroud. At number two, you've got Hendon Hooker. Um, at number three, you've got Caleb Williams. Uh, at number four, you've got Michigan running back Blake Corum, who we're going to be talking about a little bit later in the uh, in this show. Uh, number five, you've got Bryce Young, and I did six because I just wanted to say his name. <laughs> but at number six, we've got Clemson quarterback DJU. Yes, Ooh. I'm still in on him. I don't, I don't care. He's number six, man. <laughs> he's he's having a pretty good year right now. Okay, so, um, but 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 speaking of Tennessee, okay, one one guy I do want to talk about, uh, true junior wide receiver Jalen Hyatt had had a monster day against Bama this past weekend. Six catches, 207 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, was a pretty good prospect at one point. Very fast guy. I, got, I wanted to ask you, is Jalen Hyatt back on your radar as a Debbie acid? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he had, he had a really good game. Yeah. And he burned the Bama defense pretty hard there. Uh, but th- this is going to roll into our first topic here of uh, the Debbie debate, which by the way, like, why isn't that like a podcast show? Like that's, <laughs> I know they have that college football debate, debate, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. I'm surprised (laughs) no one's doing this yet. (laughs) All right. The real Debbie debate um, is Jalen Hyatt versus uh, Cedric Tillman here. Uh, Which ones are the Debbie assets here? Uh, Just Jalen Hyatt, though. He's an athlete. He just hasn't been able to put it together. Um, I know probably every show that we have this week is going to talk about him for sure. Um, but no, I don't really concern with Debbie Asset just yet. I mean, I think he's fast, but he hasn't really put it together. Cedric Tillman's not on the field. Rue McCoy was locked up. The secondary got toasted. I mean, this Alabama defense is not what it used to be. It's still an Alabama defense, so I don't want to take away his accomplishments like that. But I'm, I'm not there yet. I have to see a little bit more consistency in play. I'm not ready to jump in on just one good game after we've had two year, two and a half years of just, you know, meh. Yeah, I will say in Hyatt's defense, um, some of the things on the profile look good, right? So he could hit the early declaration, which 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 will look good there. He'll probably test in the four three range. Uh, some very high end track times from him. Um, I mean, really, I I don't want to say it, all right, but he's not unlike last year, who was the wide receiver one for a lot of people in Jameson Williams. You know, which 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 just speed is the name of the game. Similar build, six one, one hundred eighty pounds. Um, gonna possibly have the similar big season before he's declaring um 
so I do think he's exciting, but I do see some of the some of the, some issues with him, and and some of the same similar issues that I saw with Jameson Williams uh, last year as well. You know, not overly deceptive in his route running. Uh, ball gets into his body uh, sometimes. Um, lacks some play strength to push through things. You know, um, so in this one, I, I do kind of see what you're saying. I think he's got a little bit of ways to go. I think he could build a little bit. Um, the rest of the season will be big for him if he ends up declaring. I think he, day three is his upside. Um, but he could, I mean, um, around three is his upside, but day three is probably maybe more around where I'm expecting him to go right now. At least this game's going to put him on the map though. And a lot of people are going to be watching. Um, but for this actual debate, I'm personally going to go with, with Cedric Tillman right now. I mean, it's, it's the build. Um, he's the, that prototypical X wide receiver. He's bringing some size to this class that, that it's severely lacking. Um, I know we're going to talk about Quentin Johnson a little bit later, but both those guys are kind of the size guys in this class. And I do think that Tillman brings a little bit more physicality, um, which is going to help him at the next level with a lot more of those big physical uh, defensive backs and stuff. Um, the injury that he's having, it might ding him a bit, um, especially if he keeps dragging on, but he's expected back soon. So I'm hoping he can get out there and kind of remind people uh, uh, what he can do on the field. Um, his profile on paper actually looks a little bit worse, I guess, than, than Hyatt. You know, he's a fifth year late breakout. Um, but I did do a film review, film review with Brandon Lejeune from the Debbie dashboard, you know, ran that typical prototypical X route tree, uh, comeback, uh, posts goes, uh, showed off a little bit of speed here and there. And, uh, has uh, shown up against some some really tough competition as well. So uh, I'm I'm pretty high on Tillman. I think he's going to end up as a top ten wide receiver uh, in this class for me. I also agree with you there. Uh, I'm also with Tillman over Hyatt. It's it's just Hyatt is if he's the fastest player in the draft. Every time the fastest player gets draft capital, like that's I think that's what his saving grace is. But like the next level, like I mean, what is he, an Anthony Schwartz? Like uh, so, I don't really see him having a very impactful role if he does get drafted like yeah sure he'll he'll get on the field but it's more like a distraction or to take away a safety you know so I'm, I'm not there for Hyatt as a Debbie asset and like I said Tillman has that prototypical build and a guy that's not scheme dependent he's a little more like you can plug him in in different different schemes so Tillman for me Tillman was out for this game too so I mean and, and Tennessee players, I did say this, Tennessee players have been getting drafted lately. Uh, the last two years, we had, what, Palmer and uh, Bayless Jones. So I don't know what it is because I, I both of these guys, I gave pretty poor grades on when I was evaluating players. Both of them got drafted with decent draft capital. And Josh Palmer seems to be a serviceable wide receiver three on an NFL roster. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Bayless Jones. But <laughs> But these yeah, guys, he's, he's do- doing some things. He's doing some things now. I guess they're kind of using him, getting him some sweeps and stuff like that. But yeah, I think I think Tennessee's got some stock yeah. in the Senior Bowl or something. They, yeah. <laughs> they, the Tennessee players do enough to get on the field and to stick on a roster. So I mean, there's something there. So, uh, so as far as being a Debbie asset, like I mean, I think he'll stick around the roster. I just don't think he'll actually you'll actually want to plug him in your lineup. On the next topic here, we got Romo Dunze versus Jalen McMillan, Washington wide receivers here. Who do you have, Corey? Which one? Uh, yeah, I think when it comes to these two guys, I think they're two pretty pretty complementary players. I think they're both going to test pretty well, too, especially if you look at their uh, recruitment profile. Both are pretty great-looking prospects, uh, both with, with verified 4-5-40s, both with pretty good shuttle times. Um, I do think McMillan is more of that like separation artist that the NFL is kind of kind of trying towards nowadays. A little more slender, though. Um, possibly more of just the slot type at the next level. Only five snaps out, out wide this year, which is kind of weird because he's not really a small guy. Um, he's like 6'1", 180 pounds or whatever it is. So uh, it's kind of a cheap answer here, but I 
kind of want both. Um, you know, it's not unlike wanting two Ohio State wide receivers or wanting two Bama wide receivers in the same class. But, but gun to my head, I honestly think I'm going to be going with Romo Dunze. And I know that I was a little bit higher on McMillan and entering the year, um, but he he just seems like he's a little bit more versatile. He's his usage would dictate that. Um, he's seeing time in the slot. He's seeing time outside. He's got the prototypical size you want. Um, Gene McMillan's had a couple drops this year as well. So Odunze seems to have a little bit of a better hands, a little more natural hands. He's starting to become a little bit more productive as well. I mean, I honestly think that they're both pretty nice prospects. Um, but yeah, I'm going to side with with Romo Odunze here. Yeah, no, I'm with Roman Dunze too here. Uh, I criticized Jalen McMillian early on for being successful against poor defenses, and now he's, I can't say he's disappeared, but he certainly hasn't stepped up. But Roman Dunze, four games over 100 yards against Stanford, UCLA, Arizona State, and Arizona. Uh, not exactly top defenses, but the fact that they're power five and he's doing it, that's something to take note of. I think both these guys struggle in contested catch situations, but I like Roman Dunze's build a lot more just like you do. My question here that I, I don't know the answer to is uh, the athletics of Romo Dunze. Uh, McMillan was a higher rated recruit. I want to say it was like wide receiver 10 or 11 in his class, which that stuff does actually matter. It's um, It's been proven to be somewhat accurate to a point. Romo Dunze, I think, was like a high-end four-star. So he's like a top 300, but barely. Uh, so that does play into it. But Romo Dunze, I like the build a lot more. I do like the bigger guys. I like an actual full build here. Um, but he seems to be running away with this offense here. Uh, and we get deeper into conference play, and I'm going to be pretty excited about it. I mean, these defenses aren't, like, prolific, but, like, this is some really decent production against uh, some, like, solid defenses. So I, I'm here with Robo Dunze. I wish I had more film studies, some more player profile analysis to give my film watching the offseason. I tried to actually just enjoy football uh, <laughs> for the time being. But – uh at the moment, it's Romo Dunze, and I'm pretty excited to dive into his tape because he was somebody that was pretty off going into the year. We'll roll into our next one. That's point, Mike, by the way. All right, the score is 1-0. I chose the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had your bets there. You are like, talking up McMillan. You didn't really choose your guy. You just McMillan like... is still a good prospect, man. I wouldn't be surprised if he does well anyways. But, but yeah, all right, on to the next one. All right, all right. Uh, this one's going to be bigger here. Uh, let's talk about Quentin Johnson versus Marvin Harrison Jr. I'll start off here. I'm going to stick with Quentin Johnson, man. Uh, I'm just picking the safer bet here. Uh, he's just, I mean, his athletics with his size is insane. Now, I know you can say the same thing about Marvin Harrison. So I'm really just saying that he's already done it, you know, and he's going to go to the draft. We're pretty confident on his draft capital. So I'm kind of just hedging my bets here, but. Both these guys are pretty prolific athletes. Now, I do want to say this, though. With this current class in 2023, we have a struggling Keishon Boutte. We have a hurt Jordan Addison. We have, um, I mean, Downs a little smaller, but I don't really think that matters in the NFL eyes, uh, just yet at least. And then um, JSN, whatever. What I'm trying to say is that this class has been fizzling and been like such a roller coaster. And if he has some consistent, solid play, which he's gone on for two weeks now, He's going to get in that like early first, first round draft capital conversation. Whereas the 2024 class is still, and Marvin Harrison might slide, but only because his competition is better. I don't really know, man. I like both these guys. It's kind of hard, but I'm, I'm putting, I'm picking Quentin Johnson because I, I feel very confident on his uh, draft capital. Whereas Marvin Harrison has two more years of possible mistakes to make. 
Yeah, I get that. And I think that's a classic Debbie, De- Debbie debate that people have with each other is picking the sooner guy or picking the guy that's a little bit further away who maybe has more upside. Um, for me, I'm actually going to side with Marvin Harrison Jr. here. Um, and and I think it's just the, ref- the refinement plus the upside with, with Marvin Harrison. Like, um, we all know who his dad is. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence how nuanced he is as a, re- uh, as a wide receiver. Very deceptive during the stems of his route. Um, variety of open field moves. And I don't necessarily mean that he has like a huge route tree or anything. But but to me, there there's 50 different ways you can run an in or a post or, or run an out, right? Changing up those little nuances to keep DBs on their toes. You know, a, a guy like Stefan Diggs with, with uh, the Buffalo Bills. He's a master of this. I saw a lot when he was with the Vikings, very underutilized with the Vikings. And we see how well he does in the NFL with this. So I see some of those things in, in Marvin Harrison Jr., even though he's not he's not as fluid as a mover as someone like Diggs, but but just changing the deception in the routes of his stems, very nuanced. These kind of things I'm sure he was learning from his dad. Um he has that kind of refinement that I kind of trust him a little bit more to to find that gap in the middle of the field, sit down in those routes, you know. Um when it comes to QJ, he just strikes me as, as very raw. Um I will say he's he's an incredible mover for his size, uh, extremely fluid. To me, he's more so than Marvin Harrison. I know Marvin Harrison got on the the freak list this year. I don't know how much I believe that. Um, I know some of his recruitment times were way off of that. He was like a four six four guy, which is more what I th- feel like I see on tape, just more of a technician. Um, but but QJ, uh, he just looks quick. He looks fast in and out of his breaks. He looks like he can burst off the line pretty well too. And he's got that nasty in him at the catch point, you know, very strong at the catch point. He's kind of a monster. I think that two, four, seven kind of nails the comp uh, with Martavis Bryant. Uh, I've said it a bunch of times too. And I can, I can picture him being a similar player, which is kind of why I, I side with MH, with uh, Marvin Harrison as well. Explosive. He's going to have those crazy acrobatic catches, but I, like we see in college now, I think he's going to be a little bit inconsistent from time to time and maybe not as refined. Um, and I mean, I, I think we're seeing the dominant upside he has these past two weeks, almost over over 20 grabs, almost 400 yards, two touchdowns over the past two weeks alone. Um, perhaps this is kind of like the safer versus upside argument, but I, I just don't think that Marvin Harrison's upside is that far off either. So I'm, I'm going with Marvin Harrison here. I know it's a little bit of a longer wait out, but I like what he's doing a little bit earlier on. I, I'm, I'm confident in that offense to make him that first round pick by the time 2024 comes around. I agree with you there. I should have cut you off when we started bringing up his lineage. Okay, first off, there's so many stars, sons, who just don't do shit, like, at all. I'm talking about, like, Brendan Rice, uh, Jerry Rice's son. Like, we're, we're not really expecting him to be a big thing. Randy Moss's son, like, he got on a practice squad for uh, for the Washington uh, He was a tight, end for, he was tight end for LSU, and he was fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, there's, there's tons of, like, I, oh, okay. I don't know. It, it doesn't I need to make always a list of NFL star sons who just don't do anything. It doesn't always equal anything, but when you see how how technical the guy is compared to how raw some of the other guys coming in, you know, I think he's had to get some of that from his father. If not, he's just a smart guy on his own. So either way, he's got it. All right. Well, whatever. All right. <laughs> Point, Corey. Move on. <laughs> yeah, I can't really argue much. Here. I like both these guys a lot. So I, I mean. Win, win here. And, and you one, being back on Quint Johnson after two episodes saying you're on the line of getting rid of him as a Debbie asset. I mean, it was like five games of bad man. play. Flip flopping, man. Hey, you're hot when you're cold. You're yes when you're no. You're in when you're out. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you're up right. when you're down. But like, look, he had five bad games in a row. Like, I mean, 
that doesn't yeah. really happen. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, obviously, we can chalk it up to the new coach, new system. Sonny Dykes doesn't know how to use them, whatever, which is exactly what everyone's going to say, which is what I'm going to say, too. I'm going to be one of those guys in the offseason, too. Like, that's going to be the excuse. Uh, so it's just it's cool seeing him click. They get it going, whatever. So Quentin Johnson all the way, man. I'm back in. I'm going to move him up my rankings, too. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he's he's uh, but, actually looked he's looked fantastic these past two weeks. But yeah, anyways, let's uh, let's move on to the next two. All right, let's go into uh, this is gonna be a tough one here. We're gonna go into Quentin. Nope, we're gonna go into Quinshawn Judkins versus Zach Evans. I'll start off on this one too here. I'm gonna hedge my bets again. I'm gonna go with Zach <laughs> Evans. All right, just because we're pretty confident what's gonna happen with him, and we've seen freshmen disappear. I mean, it it's definitely happens where freshmen have a good game. This year's uh, Jackson Dart, still missing. I see him on mill cartons all the time. Uh, Dante Wright, he had a great receiving season. Um, trying to think of like other running backs too, but like these, um, like Lou Nichols. Lou Nichols has disappeared. So I mean, I think he's. Injured. I think there's an opp- opportunity for like him to just disappear. It's like it could be a committee system. Like, what they bring in someone else next year that's like really good. So. You're laughing at me. What's going on? <laughs> Nothing. No, 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 that's fine. No. Uh, you mentioned Luke Nichols disappeared. He's injured. <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> I don't um, pay yeah. attention to the G5 running backs. I know what they are. <laughs> All right. Anyways, this, this um, I agree with you that this one was was a tough one for me, and you're taking the easy way out and going with Evans. Okay. Um, this one was tough. I, I looked at it for a long time, and I think it speaks more to Judkins' like, like meteoric rise more than like a detriment to Evans. Um, it's legitimately close. Judkins has great size and I'm not even sure what his size is. I see 210. I see 215. I see 220. I'm not sure which one it is, but either way, he's got great size for a freshman. Um, production already at a power five level. Already ridiculous. I mean, um, Noah Hills, a, a terrific running back evaluator here at Campus Canton. Um, one of the methods he likes to do is he likes to take running backs from the same team, look at how each fared in, in certain situations, like stack boxes, neutral game script, yards per carry, yards after contact, yada, yada. And I'd imagine from that point of view that that Judkins is actually a lot better than Evans right now. Um, now, I know Evans has been a little bit banged up as well, so it's not totally fair to, to do that as well. But honestly, that's been, that's been the story of Zach Evans' career to this point, man. E- even if I do think he, he's an incredibly dynamic runner. Okay, so but but you pushed you push the um, the case for Evans, and I understand that. But I just want to push the case for for Judkins a little bit, okay? He's either two, 210, 220, or 210, 220 pounds, over 100 rushing yards in four of seven games while splitting time with Evans already as a freshman. 720 total rushing yards on the year, almost six yards per carry. Okay, He has the number 15 PFF rushing grade in the country right now. He has his 43 missed tackles uh, forced are fourth in the country. I think only they, out of power five guys, Bijan is the only guy in front of him right now. So like he's just doing ridiculous stuff. Um, it hasn't changed with conference play coming either too. He's had some of his best games against Kentucky and Auburn now. So, I mean, the freshman season he's having is almost what we dream of in terms of when we think of like a, a breakout freshman season. I think it's incredibly noteworthy, something that, that needs to be looked at and, and probably just skyrocket up the, right, up, up the rankings here. Like after sitting here and looking at it all, like I don't think I'm crazy to think that Judkins might have more upside at the end of the day. We just, He's going to take a little bit longer and we have to wait, right? Um, if he's already starting like this, like it's just like I, I, like his upside seems tremendous. He's, he's almost starting his, his career better than some of these 2020 backs we all loved, right? Um, 
Now it's a little bit of a longer wait. And we just talked about this with QJ and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. So if you're playing pure Devi, I could see going with Evans, who's going to come sooner. I still think he has star potential. It's not like my opinion of him has dropped very much. I still think he's the top three back in this in this upcoming class. But just to see what Judkins is doing, and if you can can stomach the weight, I really think that Judkins might be something special. Okay. I like so while I'm not ready to say I'm going to take Judkins over Evans, I just wanted to push his case a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to side with Evans for now, but I mean, uh, you could go either way here and I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't laugh at you. Well, you convinced me, Corey. I'm switching over to the Judkins side. Look, <laughs> he's, got, he's got 43 missed tackles on like 120 carries. Now, missed yeah, tackles dude, doesn't it's... really mean much. It doesn't like associate much. And, and just for everyone listening to give like a threshold, typically you want to see between like, uh, a missed tackle every five to four rushing attempts. That's kind of like a, a standard that everyone hits. It's like you're, you're not special if you hit that. He's hitting like one every three uh, rushing attempts here. He's got multiple 10-yard rushing attempts in each game, except for Vandy, which is just interesting. But every single game, he's it's not just, oh, he gets one big run here and there. He right, Every single time he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, I mean, and his hands too. He lined up out wide um, in, in uh, high school, like multiple times and in the slot. So uh, to start the had one target the first three games. Yeah, I think we commented on that one time too, saying that he didn't really have much involvement in the receiving game. Uh, he's gotten one target each of the last four games now. Uh, so in the season, and his ADOT is positive. He's not just catching dump offs; like he's running routes out there. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I talk about consistency and all this. Stuff. Zach Evans is not that. So I'm I'm with you. Like it's really hard not to get super excited for Judkins, even though Zach Evans has. The pedigree, the the hype, and just him as a pure rusher and and spouts here and there whenever he feels like touching the field, whatever he's got going on each each week. So, but man, this is yeah, anyway, tough one. Zach Evans is a safer bet, but Quinshawn just has a much higher upside for me. Sorry, all right, I'm on Quin. I'm on Quinshawn Duckins. Yeah, I think this is like one of those cases where we're like, we're on the edge of like saying it, obviously, but it's seven games into his first season. It's hard to say that right away. Um, but I mean, this is this is just how crazy his season has started off, especially considering we never expected he went as the backup to Ole Miss. They got Ulysses Bentley from SMU. We thought he was going to be the number two guy. We thought we were going to be waiting for Judkins. We thought Judkins was a raw guy as well, like more athlete than than running back. And what he's doing, I just, it, 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 it's crazy. So, I don't know. He, he's going to be very high in the rankings once Evans leaves anyway. He's going to be like a top 10 guy. Dude, he's like Nick Chubb with hands. Am I, am yeah. I getting too high up there with that? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. That's actually Brandon Lejeune's comp from his Nick Chubb. I don't oh, know how really? much I see that exactly. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that, that's what he says he sees from him. So, it's it, 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 you're not terribly off there. That's for sure. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Anyway, all right. So, let's move on to the next one here. Another, another hot one here. We're gonna go with Hendon Hooker or Will Levis, dude. This this is so much fun, man. Debating Debbie players, just gosh, people need to do this more often. The Debbie debate. All right, let's go into Hendon Hooker versus Will Levis. Hendon Hooker obviously off a big win against um against Alabama. Sorry, I almost forgot who they were because they don't know who they are anymore. Um, anyway, yeah. So Hendon Hooker, uh, great game here. Um, I'm going with Will Levis here, like straight up. I'm not even gonna. I'm just gonna get right into it. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe I'm switching this up right now. Will Levis may be a first-round pick because people are going to think he's a project worth undertaking. He has these tools. He has these traits. He's on the younger side. Um, 
so I, I think like if he goes to like, let's say he goes to the Giants, right? He's got Brian Dable. I'm going to love that. I'm going to straight up love that. Like I'm really am. If he goes to like someone like, uh, like the Texans, I'm going to be like, I don't care. That's not great. Like, you know? Yeah. So if he goes to like one of those coaches that I know can develop a quarterback, I'm going to be extremely hyped about Will Levis. Um, but yeah, he's just a project. Uh, whereas Hennon Hooker to me, uh, he's just, um, he's a product of the John Hypo's, uh, the Hypo system. Uh, his quarterbacks historically have been uh, Drew Locke and Jared Stidham. Uh, Drew Locke was a third round pick. Jared Stidham was a fourth round pick. So they get drafted, but they just haven't really done anything. And each of those quarterbacks had their opportunities to become something bigger. Uh, so I don't know. And I, I got to give some credit to Felix. This is something I wish I could do more is that Felix was talking about how uh, Tennessee is not a pro style offense. Now, you're probably asking yourself as a listener, like, what's that even mean? I'm kind of there with you because I don't. I wish I could understand more. Con- anything, any more context I can get on the field, I think is just more helpful as a Debbie analyst, as any type of analyst for football. And so, if he's not in like a pro style offense, which apparently the hypo system isn't, I, I would hope Felix explains more because I would really love that. Uh, I think it's going to be rough, something like that. Anyway, yeah this this one is. Way on the other side for me, man. I just, I, I, I get it with, with some of the age and stuff like that. I mean, but, but even look at last week's big game against Alabama. Like, you know, usually these more gimmicky offenses, like, like the Josh Heupel offense, you know, the air raid or the run and shoot, if you want to call it that. I think that uh, that's kind of what Josh Heupel likes to call his offense. They usually struggle against the Alabamas of the world and the tougher defenses and the more, and the more NFL professional based teams. Right. But, but not this time. I mean, I think the pure level, the pure talent level of Hooker has taken it to another level with his arm, his legs, the ball placement, the field vision. Like, I think he's just matured now being in this. He's learning the offense last year, just just trying to function, be in it. And now he's not thinking anymore. You know what I mean? And, and this is really nothing new to anybody who's followed me for a while. Right. I, uh, I've always been in Hen Hook, Hen and Hooker's corner even if he's kind of a much older prospect I think he's going to be 26 in his rookie year that's that's obviously the biggest red flag i have um but i mean i, I wrote an article in the offseason the c2c tabbing a few names uh that were going to be risers to the season and hooker was one of them i just thought he could take it to another level in this offense maturing in this offense less thinking more instincts and, and we're seeing more of that come to fruition to fruition here and, and that's not to say he's without warts either um throws a majority of his passes like on a rope uh, lacks a little bit of touch um, you know, he has a whole early portion of his career with, with Virginia tech where he was pretty freaking awful. <laughs> so how you incorporate that into whatever. So, so I don't picture him as a day one guy, right? I picture him as a little bit of a project, but the thing is I'd okay. rather take a shot on him than I would Levi who we've discussed quite a bit, you know, uh, being at your alma mater, we're always going to, we always talk about those guys, you know, and I do think he has a nice compact and quick release. He's got a good arm. Um, but, but he's struggled with inconsistencies and especially against top competition. And he's also really suffered this year. I know he's, he's injured now, but he suffered even in the beginning of the year with Wandale gone. And I think in terms of quarterbacks, we want guys who are going to elevate the players around him, not the other way around where the wide receivers are elevating the quarterbacks. Right. So I'm sticking with hooker here. I like his tools. I think he could be developed. I know me and Austin, we're talking about this a little bit in the chat. He could be like a, like a Jalen hurts who I was not very high on as well, but he had tools that could have been crafted. He was drafted in day two and now look what he's doing in the NFL. So I'm sticking with hooker here, hooker for Heisman. No way. All right. I think, man, I, I just think Hooker's going to be, a, he's going to be a high end backup. That's why I think he's going to go to a high end backup. I think he's, he's well, older who, than, he's older than Justin Herbert. He's who's more exciting Herbert. to you, Malik Willis or Hennon Hooker? 
I mean, Hendon Hooker, but don't don't call Will Levis Malik Willis. No, no, but but I'm just saying, look how excited some people are for Malik Willis on that. Well, they're already calling oh, for yes. if Tannehill messes up a little bit. It's because he has that excitement to him, that dual threat ability can bring some excitement to an offense. Then then someone like Will Levis, who I just feel like is just not the guy, man. I got to see more from Will Levis from from an on field standpoint and against better competition. No, but I agree with you. Will Levis is not in command of his offense. He's running it, but he's like, you know, it's Stoops that's in command. So it's, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. He's not mentally, he's not like developed into like reading defenses and, and situational awareness for stuff like that. So he's, he, he needs, he needs some work for sure. So uh, let's go on to our next one here. <laughs> let's talk play quorum. Let's talk play quorum real quick uh, versus, um, Anybody, honestly. Okay, look, here's here's the thing. Everyone listening here. <laughs> Blake Horn is like becoming the Debbie, the the Twitter darling, right? He's he's I even saw people calling him like the RB five in this class. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. In my rankings, I have him as RB10. Now I took a good hard look at my rankings here. It's the usual top five, and I'm gonna tell you who I have in front of him. I have Kendra Miller at six, I got Zach Charbon at seven, I got Abonaconda at eight. I got Chris Rodriguez at nine, and then I got Blake Horm at 10. Now, Chris and Blake are right next to each other, so potatoes, potatoes for that one. I don't really care. Um, but I I turned on Blake Horm's tape today, and I, I – not today, yesterday. And I wasn't, like, really too impressed here, man. This feels to me a lot like the Mo Ibrahim, C.J. Verdell, just getting a whole ton of volume. Uh, Michigan's known for developing their linemen. I was watching their line. He had two linemen blocking linebackers every single time he had a run like anytime that he can get past the line his linemen were already three four yards out there like blocking for him so as a runner i think he's just good at following his blocks he just has to read the helmets then i don't think he's he's not even that special of an athlete for somebody his size he's forever listening he's listed at five foot eight to ten i think he's more in the 200 to 205 range um which really is not that big of a concern but I don't even think he has good contact balance. I mean, I really don't see anything special. I really don't. For me, a lot of his plays are are offensive line highlights, not Blake Corum highlights. I mean, that's that's what I think. Yeah, that Chris Rodriguez ranking is such a homer ranking. My goodness, a nine over a bunch of other guys. <laughs> but I'll give In it to you. I, I, I like Chris Rodriguez quite a bit too. Come on, man. <laughs> it's like Benny Snell 2.0. I'll give him the 2.0 because he's better than Snell was. I, he's I faster. Think, yeah, sure I do, think, faster. I do yeah, think he's right. better than Snell, but that's kind of the bucket I put him. Anyways, um, for anybody listening, the question on the sheet, anyways, we, we wanted to we wanted to debate Corum versus Condre Miller versus Zach Charbonnet, but but Mike was so disgusted because he had him all the way at 10. He had to talk about everybody he had over him, anyways. But but I mean it's true. Me and you have always been a little bit lower on Corum. We've had our reasons, whether it was size, uh, lack of physicality, um, Michigan players in general, <laughs> lack of production against tougher defenses. Um, but this last game against Penn State, you know, it got me a bit, okay. I mean, Penn State was what, like the fifth in the country against the run coming into last week, you know, and then they've always been a tough team against the run. But whoa, you know, whoa, I, whoa, 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 whoa. It's early season. I don't know. Uh, I don't know their schedule top of my head, but I'm sure they had some cupcake matchups the first four. Well, or five they, weeks. But they've always they've historically been good against the run. They've always had a pretty strong defense. So I'm still giving them in that corner. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt there. Regardless, that's what we have to work with. That's what we're seeing right now. So that's what we're going off with. OK, um, I thought Quorum looked quick. I thought he looked a little more physical than I expected. Just rewatching this last game, 
Um, but the whole team really destroyed Penn State on the ground, right? I think collectively they ran for almost 400 yards, maybe more. Uh, Donovan Edwards, uh, a guy we're excited for in 2024 as well, running back there, even ended up with more. And so I, I kind of sat, sat here and say, once I looked at the whole thing, you know, did Penn State just get manhandled? Was this was this a statement game for Quorum, or was it just a statement game for the rushing in rushing offense in general? You it know, was so a statement I, game for the linemen. All right, look, Corey. Last week you played the game of taking away the longest run for I don't even know which player. <laughs> I'm gonna do that for you right here. Now I played Quorum the last two weeks. Look, if you take away his longest run, let me pull this up real quick. 61 yards against Penn State. You take that away, he was 27 for 105. That's not great. And then for Iowa. You take away his 50-yard run, and he was 24 for 74. I mean, Corey, I'm not a math major, but those numbers don't add up. Okay, he is not <laughs> he is not RV six in this class. No, I, I generally I agree with that. I mean, I've said I've said it a few few times this year already. I do feel like I need to go back and look at him a little bit more. Um, you know, games like this and the weight gain. I want to see if that's any if that's doing anything for him. If he is playing a little bit more physically, if this is a, st- a step in the right direction. But but based off this trio here of guys, um, he would probably be a, a, a second, I think, in this trio. Um, the guy who's going to be last in this in this trio, the guy who you have at seven, I believe, is is going to be is going to be Zach Charbonnet. And you know, I was super low on him early in his career. Um, his move to UCLA did spark some new life. Again, another yeah, Michigan, guy. Michigan. That's why. yeah, another Michigan like, guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he had a weird career at Michigan, right? Like he barely got any playing time. He didn't look dynamic at all. Hassan Haskins like took his job from him, and he ended up like a fourth round pick in the NFL. So I mean, it, it wasn't anything great, you know. And looking at his tape last year, I did think that there were some good things. Um. I honestly, I sent out a tweet and I did say that I thought he might've had the best contact balance in the class if he came out last year. And I know Kenneth Walker had the stats to back that up, but when watching the tape, the way he was blowing off contact and stuff like that, I did think Charbonnet really had that in him. I think he added that to his game, creating a little bit more for himself. Um, It was surprising to me that he didn't come out last year. Um, So I'm thinking that he didn't like what he was hearing about his draft stock. And now this, this class is absolutely freaking deep. It's, it's like bonkers deep. So like to the point that I think that Zach Charbonnet's lack of lack of dynamism in a sense could hurt him or he's not really going to stand out in any way. I mean, you barely even hear any chatter about him right now. Um, and it, it, it's probably sometimes those late Pac-12 games don't help either. Um, but he's probably going to be at the bottom of this list for me. And But the guy at the top of this list, okay? And I know that you, you love him too. I love him. Um, anyone who's listened to this show or followed me for a while, you know that I've been nailing this guy for a while, and that's TCU running back Andre Miller. Okay, I still remember the day that somebody told me to throw him in a DFS lineup last year, uh, when Evans was out, and I just fell in love watching the player. You know, his underlying metrics were great, he was essentially better than Zach Evans last year at, at TCU on a very similar workload. And once Evans left, I started touting his name all offseason. I mean, there's videos that I did with Brandon um, telling you telling you to buy him. I have articles on the on the site as well, expressing my love for him. So I'm thanking God that he's meeting my expectations because there was there was a little bit of concern there for a while. I have no apologies to make, though. I'm, I'm super glad he's meeting my expectations. He looks great. And he's not even getting a super heavy workload. You know, he's got he's got the size. He looks dynamic in the open field. We were talking about it, I think, last week or two weeks ago. He's he's doing those subtle jukes in the open field. He's, his instincts are taking over. And this is what we say a lot of times when guys finally get to their third year or or sometimes fourth year, unfortunately. But in their third year, you when everything really starts to come together and they start playing more naturally, that's really what you're kind of seeing from him. You know, I think the last thing we're missing is really a little bit of a receiving profile from him. Um, I do think he looks kind of natural catching the ball, anyways. He doesn't doesn't seem to fight it. Um, but um, I also, I just have to give a shout out 
to one of our fellow writers at Campus Canton as well, Beast eDNA Mode. Uh, Brandon, I believe his first name is, because he was on this train super early with me as well. It's, I mean, at one point... Edna, it's Edna yeah. Beast Mode. You never yeah. watched The Incredibles? Edna no, I, I, I don't watch it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I read it out. Okay. <laughs> Brandon. Right. His name is Brandon. Okay. Uh, at one point, I felt like it was him... Um, M. Nelly and, and me that were really the only ones talking about him coming out of last year. Um, I did. I will get props to you. You were a little bit later on it, but you stayed strong, even when there were some some major doubters leading up to the start of the season. Um, but you stayed strong, too. But I, I mean, I just love this dude. And then I mean, maybe it's bias. Maybe it's whatever. But he he's my choice out of these three guys. and I'm, I'm sticking to it. RB six for me. Yeah, I think it's important to on the tape. I mean, like Bosch first guy is fine. It, it, on the list but like, you don't really feel good about a guy until you watch him play and then like you actually freeze frame like each like actual running attempt you know what i'm saying you like pause it you see where like defenders are you can just keep pausing every like half second not even half second i don't feel like it's like, really a quarter of a second where i'm like trying to see each decision like he's trying to make and where his head's going but um so kendrick miller me and you are still i'm still in on him at six i mean zach charney look he's he's been this year uh, except for like against south alabama i mean no, he was good they just didn't really use him that much so th- the thing is with blake Horn, i turned on his tape and i actually moved down his ranking i really did i had him at behind zach charbonnet <laughs> you're just a hater you just hate this guy it's like it's, it's just gonna a be... volume play like yeah he's gonna get a big <laughs> run if he keeps going like eventually so and he's gonna break arm tackles i mean he thumb slip off him but like for the most part like he was getting arm tackled i just don't I saw nothing besides offensive line highlights, not running back highlights. Can't believe the hive mind of Twitter is all over Blake Corm. I mean, you quoted PFF grades earlier. I would say what Hassan Haskins PFF grade was last year. Point two. Hmm. He was he was a highly rated PFF player, and he's not even he's not even touching the fucking grass on the NFL side. So, like. Hey, hey, PFF grades only work when they they're in our favor. That's the only time you can quote them. Other than that, they don't they don't mean anything. <laughs> Yeah, anything that supports your argument. I mean, yeah. you can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so I'm really tired of these Michigan assets being hyped up to be something more than they are. It, it's Michigan Except makes GGM great. <laughs> Michigan makes great non skill players for the draft. They don't make <laughs> good skill players for the draft. So I, yeah, I, I turned it on. I turned it on. I had him as like a fourth round grade. I really did. And then when I came away from it, I, re, I regraded him as like a fifth, sixth rounder. I just like, whatever Blake Corum RB 10 I think he's a day three guy I think I'm going to be like standing by myself until the NFL draft probably the combine comes by and he pulls a Kyron Williams and he gets like a like a four, he's not a four seven guy but if he gets a four seven guy then everyone's not going to talk about it like no one's going to admit their mistake yeah but anyway you, you're gonna have to wait because uh, I think he's still going to get drafted at a decent spot I, you're gonna have to wait till he's in the NFL to actually make your point where you like actually fails in the NFL. So it's good. This is gonna be a long banner hold for you, man. So I hope I hope you got the leg strength for it. <laughs> well, I got the, I got the leg length. That's for sure. That's, that's <laughs> but any, anyway, um, yeah. I mean, do you, have you? How fast do you think he runs a forty? Like I just like just off to, like guess because I don't think he's definitely not sub four five. I think he's more in like the upper four fives, low four sixes. I have- no, I was going to agree with you because I did notice the exact same thing that I did notice, or, or at least defense is closing in on him sometimes uh, if they if they're there or he's or he's not pulling away as much as I would have expected him to. So I, I'm probably going to put it around four five four five five. But man, these juiced up times at the at the combine now, man, he's going to run like a four That's four true. three. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so 
Blake, yeah, I moved him down. I, and Chris Rodriguez for me is above him just because Chris Rodriguez has the size. I think athletics, Homer. not even, not even. You know, I've been bashing Will Levis all season, man. I, I mean, this episode is the one time I'm supporting Kentucky players. But Fair um, enough. yeah. So I, I it's just because I think Chris Rodriguez has more of a better physical profile, and I, no, I actually think he's better in every way. Never mind. I'm thinking about it now. I think Chris Rodriguez is better in every way. He's looked pretty good coming off of his suspension or whatever. Like I know there's been some weird stuff there. Like I don't know. He didn't follow his end of a deal or something. That's the rumor, anyways. They didn't follow up on his end of a deal, and the team got upset with him or something like that. Or yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, something like that happened there. So I don't know if there's any off-field issues there. But man, I mean coming right in and looking exactly how he looked pretty much last year, if not better. Um, so he, he's been pretty good. So yeah, he'll, he'll be up there for me too. I'm not sure if he'll be a top 10 guy, but we'll see. Let's get on to, uh, let's, let's look on the radar and just want to discuss some players here. Now, some of these guys, Corey has not watched some of these guys. I have not watched that Corey's going to bring up, but I want to talk about a name that's not new. Uh, let's just call it a resurgence. We're going to talk about Xavier Hutchinson. Um, he's a player that I looked at first. Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver for Iowa State. He's paired there with Hunter Deckers. Uh, he has that great size. Was he like 6'3", 210? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Okay, great size. Um, when I evaluated him, I want to say it was like a year and a half ago when he went on this huge like four or five game streak of like really good play um, people were asking me what I thought about him and I was watching him. He just looked like a big body contested catch guy good athletics just a guy with good size and good hands which is they have their place in the nfl but they don't tend to retain a second contract because they're kind of you know not special uh haven't watched him again uh cory have you have any like new new opinions about xavier hudson or is this a guy that mean you're gonna focus on the all season yeah, we'll probably focus on him a little bit. He was on my radar already a little bit. I know he almost touched a thousand yards, I think, last year, or he did go over it slightly. I can't really remember. Um, I know Brock Purdy wasn't the greatest kind of matchup for him. Decker is a little bit better for him, has a little bit more of an arm to get it out to him over there. Um, bigger body guy. I was a little bit worried that I was gonna see some Hakeem Butler when I do go <laughs> do go look. So I'm hoping he's a little bit more of a fluid mover at that size. Um, we'll see what happens. He's been blowing it up for my C2C teams though. So, um, I'm happy about that. Was he like over hundred yards in every game so far, or like at least over seven or eight catches or something like that. Like he's, he is really the, the train to that engine or the engine to that train uh, offense right now. I mean, it's, there's nobody else really stepping up as a wide receiver over there. Um, he's got that prototypical size. Do I think he's going to be like a day two guy or anything? No, I think he's probably day three. Maybe I think he's a senior too, so maybe he might get that senior bowl bump as well. Um, but he's a guy I'll probably have to dive into a little bit deeper um, in the offseason as well. All right, for my first guy, I'm going to move over to a guy who who kind of broke out this, this last weekend. And kind of a guy I'm sure that a lot of people don't even know his name, don't even know where he came from, wasn't a high-ranked prospect. So um, we're going to head over to Miami and talk about a wide receiver um, by the name of Colby Young. Um, and we've talked about the lack of weapons in Miami and how it's been a little bit of a problem. Whoa, for Tyler. whoa, whoa. Brashard Smith is there. Nah, Watch your mouth. No, that's okay. We don't, we don't need Brashard Smith. He's had his chance now. He's not doing nothing. So we're looking for new talent now. And I think that Tyler Van Dyke may have found his new number one weapon here. Uh, dude is 6'5", 215 pounds. Now, he was a three-star Juco recruit. And he's still only a true sophomore. He spent one year uh, at Juco, uh, Lawanaka College or something. Only only put up about 500 yards, um, nine touchdowns. So he was a big touchdown guy. Um, but he was the eighth wide receiver in this Ju- in the Juco composite. Um, 
had interest from Pitt, had interest from Florida State, had interest from Penn State, had interest from Tennessee as well. So we had a lot of Power 5 interest, a lot of high-ranking programs, uh, ultimately ended up in Miami, maybe saw an opening there. Um, now he's only played in the last two games, but his line in those two games, uh, three catches, 43 yards, and one touchdown in his first appearance against uh, UNC. And then just this past week, 15 targets, nine catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown against Virginia Tech. Now, I understand not great defenses, um, but, I mean, still power five level. Still a guy who came from Juco, and you like to see that he's making that transition already. You know, it was only his second game. You know, earned a huge market share out of the gate. So um, we'll have to see how this continues to progress as the season goes on. Um, but this was a room that was begging for some more talent, and maybe they might have found a little gem here from the Juco, and we've seen that before, right? Um, so maybe Colby Young just might be that guy. Yeah, no, he looks good. I mean, this is exactly what you want to see from a JUCO recruit. You want to see him have that that nice offer sheet, go to a program, make an impact. He's like doing well. I mean, his first game there against U was UNC. He only saw eleven snaps and he got four targets on that. Uh, thanks to PFF's little bar on the bottom, I can't see how many snaps he got. Last clicking right away, dude. I love the size too. Six foot five. It varies. It varies on where you're looking. Uh, <laughs> on his JUCO transcript, it was like his um, his recruit ranking when he was a freshman. He was six three. Now he's six five. So he's somewhere between like six two and six five, I guess. So yeah, uh, I guess it's as good as mine. Uh, <laughs> but love the size. Uh, the early production here is great too. So I, this is a gem. I mean, this is a gem. I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I didn't know who this guy was. Corey put him on the sheet. We talked about him a little bit before the show, dude. I can't. I'm gonna, I should probably, I'm going to bed. I'm going to watch that game tonight. And I'm going to watch that game. And I'm also going to watch Rosario Smith too while I'm at it. So, but, <laughs> so but, uh, <laughs> he was a little more involved. He was a little more yeah, involved. Yeah, he was. He is. He is. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I'm pretty excited that you found Colby Young. Dude. I, I can't, I can't wait to dive into this. I, I think you really found somebody. He's got, I mean, his little short area metrics that he's got so far look great. So excited about that. I'll probably be tweeting about it tomorrow so you'll be seeing me talk about it. Uh, without going into my guy here, the next one here is someone that I watched, and that was Orandi Gadsden III, another son of an NFL player. I believe it was a Miami Dolphin, Orandi Gadsden II. Uh, so uh, he's six foot five. He's two fifteen. Plays for Syracuse. First off, who would have thought Syracuse would have been ranked? I mean, going into the season, I don't know that coach, but that coach went from Virginia, making that Brandon Armstrong, that Dontavion Wicks. Everyone's hyping up Dontavion Wicks in the offseason. Couldn't be me, but everyone's hyping up him. And It was and, absolutely and, you. <laughs> Dontavion Wicks and then um, and Brendan Strong, too. Like, like, but that whole crowd disappeared. Like both, both sides of that crowd disappeared. But that coach is just, I mean, round of applause for that guy. But going on to Syracuse, going on to Ronde there, uh, he's He's kind of like that Mike Gusecki, I'd say, like, for me. Uh, he's lined up in the slot primarily. I, he was involved in blocking Columbus, which was surprising for his slender build. He weighs 215 pounds. When you actually see him, though, like, you can tell he, he looks like a wide receiver. He doesn't look like a tight end. He just looks like a big wide receiver at a tight end now. Um, so his blocking needs to be improved. He's not quite the athlete that Isaiah Likely or Mike Gusecki Three of his last four games over 100 yards. So if he goes off against Clint, super annoying about him. Uh, but as far as like the athlete goes and the profile goes, I don't consider him much of a Debbie asset. Yeah, I haven't um, looked at him too, too much. Uh, but like the whole like 
wide receiver tight end thing there is kind of interesting. Like we just saw a guy last night in, in Greg Dulcich, who was a former wide receiver, kind of big size struggles with blocking struggles, all that stuff, but he could still become a vertical threat at the, at the next level. If he's got the athletic ability and he can, he kind of keeps up on this pace. So he's a guy that I'm going to, I'm going to be watching out for a little bit. Maybe, maybe he can become a convert at the next level and maybe be a vertical threat. So we'll see I know a lot of, a lot of NFL teams are looking for guys like that. So um, interesting guy and somebody I need to, I need, I probably need to watch a little bit more, but yeah, Syrac- Syracuse is not usually first on my list of watches on the weekend, but <laughs> maybe, not, it, should, maybe it should 60. be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it should Sean be. Tucker now, dude, but, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They're, they're, they're becoming a little bit more exciting anyway. So maybe it should be, I mean, that's my goal this weekend. I'm going to watch the Syracuse game, but uh, moving on to my next guy here. Okay. I'm going to talk about a running back. Another guy that a lot of people probably haven't heard very much of. And that's a guy by the name of Devin Mockaby at Purdue. Um, now, Mockaby has a pretty interesting story. Was a fairly under-recruited guy, three-star kid. Um, originally committed to Navy on a full-ride scholarship, right? It was, was destined to go there, but left that opportunity and actually walked on at Purdue. Um, now, the backstory here is that Purdue was kind of like his dream school since he was a little kid. Um, so that kind of made sense, but it was a surprising move. I mean, to, to leave a full scholarship ride at Navy, I guess. But, um, but, but to his profile a little bit, you know, he's six foot, 195 pounds. Uh, the guy's got some athletic background as well too. a long state, uh, a long jump state champion. He's also a runner up in hurdles in the state as well. So he's got a nice, nice athletic background there. Even though there's no verified times, tried to look everywhere. couldn't really find any. Um, he's a red shirt freshman this year. So he's still, still pretty young. Hasn't really seen any extensive work until now when a recent surge of injuries has kind of taken over that Purdue backfield and it's given him some chances. So he, he, he kind of got his first big workload against Minnesota went 11 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. Um, so he was already hopping on the scene there. And now last week, their, their, uh, their running back room even got hit with more injuries. He became the main guy. So he had 30 carries for 178 yards and a touchdown. Um, he also added two receptions for 28 yards. Now, this was actually the highest rushing total in the Jeff Brom era at Purdue. Um, so this kid is really starting to make waves. I'm unsure if this is going to make him, you know, kind of gain more of a, more, uh, of a workload now, especially when guys kind of get healthy. Um, but, but regardless, I think I think Mockaby is a guy that you should at least be keeping tabs on. And maybe if you've got unlimited waivers, you know, or, or you're looking at waivers this week, this is a guy that you should add, man, because maybe because uh, he's kind of exciting. He's kind of exciting. Yeah, haven't turned him on, but I'm sure he's better than Blake Corum. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, rolling to my next guy here. Uh, we're going back to um, he's not new to the radar, but Dylan Goffney, man, my man Dylan Goffney, putting it out there because his brother liked my tweet about him this past. Week. I, gu- I guess I can check out now because I've heard this one about a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> he's really it. This is the only reason why I'm bringing him up. Uh, he wasn't. He's now listed as a starter here. It's him, Austin Upshaw, and Rasheed Rice are now the star. A lot of snaps against Yusuf. Didn't do anything, which is why I didn't I didn't realize this last week or else I would have I would have sounded the alarms. Uh but this week he is second on uh receiving snaps from receivers. Was leading receiver at four one sixteen and one. I'm just excited that I finally get my Dylan Goffney breakout. Um whatever, man. I'm just excited about it. Dylan the, the Dylan Goffney season is back on everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of like when you this uh, this weekend when you posted the chat and you were like, guys, Elijah Spencer caught a sixty yard touchdown. And I posted that meme right away. <laughs> I, was like, no. <laughs> I was like, nobody cares. It's kind of the same thing, okay? But I'm I'm, I'm joking, of course. I think Goffney's a little bit more interesting than at least Elijah Spencer is. But um, but yeah, he's a, he's definitely an interesting guy. Um, I, I'm gonna head over to my last guy here. 
Um, talk about a guy that a lot that some people actually probably know. And actually, an article just came out today on the Athletic where he was actually named a midseason All American uh, on the freshman list. I know he's redshirt freshman, but they included him anyways as an all-purpose back. And I'm going to talk about Maryland running back Ramon Hemby. Um, now he was only a three-star prospect. Um, has some verified times. We're not going to blow anybody away. He's in the four six uh, forty area. Um, but I don't always hold a lot of weight to that. We've seen guys like like if you go and look up. Uh, Saquon Barkley if you go look up T Higgins or if you go look up Justin Jefferson these guys tested absolutely horrible um Saquon was like in the four six Justin Jefferson was like a four seven T Higgins like freaking tested like a walking tree okay like he, he had no vert no speed no nothing and these guys all hit like four fives Saquon was a monster when he reached like they can definitely improve in that aspect so I don't necessarily hold that against them but it would be nice to see some better times regardless um he's a six foot 200 pound uh, guy, he's a, he's a redshirt freshman, um, kind of seems to be taking over that lead role there. Sometimes he's not, he's not getting the full workload just yet. They split carries a lot. He only has three games with double digit carries. Um, but in those three games, he went over hundred yards in two of them, uh, averaging 6.2 yards per carry and is proving himself as a receiver, which is really the nice thing here is no less than three catches in every game this year, except for one. He's got 24 catches for 225 yards and a touchdown this year. He actually has a top 20 PFF receiving grade just out of running backs in the country with a minimum of uh, 10 targets. And he has a 100% catch rate of his 24 targets. So he's caught everything. Now, I know that I got you to look up PFF really quick and look at his, his ADOT. And I think it was like negative. So this is a lot of dump offs probably. This is a lot of things behind the line, scrimmage screens, all that stuff. So um, Definitely want to see him maybe get that, that ADOT up and, and uh, getting targets a little more down the field. But still, the, the versatile usage is still something to, to keep on the radar nonetheless. Maryland has had some success getting backs to the NFL, you know, albeit in a more more depth role. You know, guys like Jake Funk, uh, Ty Johnson, who had, some, who had some nice games with the Jets there. Anthony McFarlane, a guy who tested really well with the Steelers. Some of us are excited for. He's, only, he's just sitting on the practice squad now. So um, regardless, they're fairly productive fairly productive on the college level, even if it doesn't necessarily always equal to the NFL, but I've got a little bit more faith for Ramon Hemby anyway. So um, he's going to be my last guy here. He's just a guy that I'm keeping tabs on. Someone that's hopped on the radar that wasn't there before. So uh, yeah, Ramon Hemby, redshirt freshman at Maryland. This last guy we actually both wanted to bring up, uh, it's going to be Will Rogers, uh, quarterback from Mississippi state. Um, he's an efficient runner. Uh, he's just an efficient runner. Excuse me. We're talking about running back so much tonight. Uh, he's an efficient passer. Uh, he's just, you wrote up the Debbie guy sheet for him, Corey, just tell him, tell him what you wrote. Yeah. So I got some notes here. Definitely a, a very accurate guy. Um, he did break the single season SEC record for accuracy with a 92.3% completion percentage against your favorite team, Kentucky, um, <laughs> last year. So that was, that was pretty crazy. Um, the most difficult part of his evaluation is the fact that he's in Leach's pass happy system, right? I mean, um, he threw for 680 passes last year. Most of them were screens, uh, short crossing patterns, a lot of dump offs, um, only attempted a 20 yard pass on 7% of his throws finished with under seven yards per attempt, which is like the 10th lowest out of like 14 qualifying sec quarterbacks. So, um, the underlying metrics from last year weren't, weren't great from that aspect. Um, but there are some good stuff. He has a capable arm, um, Excellent ball placement um, shows the ability to work through his progressions, which is something you don't always see. That's one thing I do like typically a good decision maker can throw the ball with touch has a nice compact release. Um, he does occasionally throw flat footed kind of off his back foot. Um, so I, I do think sometimes the pocket presence is also an issue. Um, 
I know PFF last year, I'm not sure what it is this year, but PFF gave his offensive line a very good rating, um, kept him clean on like over 80% of his plays, but he still suffered like the third most sacks in the SEC last year. So he's holding onto the ball way too long and he's just not moving around in the pocket very well. That pocket presence is going to need to change at the next level and he's going to need to make some quicker decisions. So other than that, like it's it's a weird thing. I think evaluating anybody in a Mike Leach system is just freaking hard. I mean, even the running backs, the wide receivers, it's always the same same crap over and over again that it's hard to see how that's going, going to transfer to the next level. I consider his NFL projection like I put it I put it murky at best. Yeah, I this quarterback class is just we're just grasping our straws here. He's somebody that I think we have ranked between like the six and ten mark come NFL draft. I think he get gets drafted, but I think it's day three, and I think it's you know he floats around as like practice squad or like the backup for different teams here. I don't know what his ceiling is. I just kind of brought him up because I thought maybe he's. Jones, where he's kind of like a, a fuel general, doesn't really give away a lot of turnovers, um, but you know, a safe pick, but not a guy that's like really you consider like clutch or like, or like have a high ceiling. So, Will Rogers for me, SEC offense here. He's running it. He's not. He's not throwing picks. He's he's pretty pretty calculated in what he does. So his accuracy is really what sticks out to me too. So it. I like Will Rogers here to get drafted. I don't really know what I like as a ceiling, but I, I like him to stick around a roster, backup role, maybe kind of like a, a Bailey Zappi. I mean, Bailey Zappi's doing well right now, but but before Bailey Zappi broke out, I would have been like that would have been like his his positional comp, like his career arc comp. Um, but yeah, so Will Rogers here, I think he'll be in my RB six to ten area. QB six to ten area. Still talking about running yeah. backs. <laughs> I said RB back then. Really you did. said you said RB, but yeah. Regardless, yeah. I mean, I, right, I, this right. it's kind of similar to me to like a guy we talked about. I think it was last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about G five players and we we're talking about Grayson McCall, who's kind of like in a sort of similar offense, but another guy who's very accurate, very very uh, precise, high completion percentage. These kind of guys with these arms and accuracy, they're going to find a place in the NFL because NFL coaches are going to love them. Now, they're going to miss the upside of that big cannon arm. They're going to miss the upside of some of that mobility that maybe you want. Like Will, Will Rogers pretty much strikes me as a statue. Um, but I, they're going to have a place in the NFL, at least as backups, because there's a guy, there are guys who can come in, probably function your offense, get the ball where it needs to be. And Willard Rogers is going to be that kind of guy. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, make sure you check out the other Campus Cam podcast feeds. Monday, you got Chasing the Natty. Tuesday, you got Campus Life. Wednesday, you got Bet on C to C. You also have the Debbie Debate. Nope, sorry. That's today's episode, the Debbie Debate. But no, it's back to Debbie. Well, see us on Wednesdays. Uh, and then Thursday, you got Debbie Debate again for this one week. And then you got. Canbound on Friday. And I forgot the official. I'm so sorry. You also have the official on Thursdays as well. Now, Saturdays, 8 to 10 in the morning, you got the Better Sports app. The guys go live on the radio, call in, ask your questions. And then at 10 to 12, you got the tailgate where they preview the games this weekend. And then you got the college fantasy tonight starting usually around 1130, whenever the late night games ends. They gave a brief overview of just what went down that day. Uh, make sure you tune into YouTube channel. Stay up to date on everything. Apologies to Dan Brugler. We ran out of time. Good night and good luck.